We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the DGD Podcast. As always, DGD Rob, Juan Daniels, Kobe Pierce will be joining us shortly. Uh, we're going to be doing our Week 8 Picks of the Week, the DGD CFB Picks of the Week. We're also going to be doing some, some come-to-Jesus moments. Uh, if you're any fan of watching Bama cry, this will be for you. Um, but we're going to do that after our picks. We're going picks first today. Um, got some prior arrangements, so <clears throat> we'll have to get those uh, started sooner rather than later. And then we'll spend the rest of the time uh, getting to laugh at those gumps down there uh, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, obviously, the show is brought to you by our friends over at BetUS. Listen, go to dgdpodcast.com. Go to the BetUS logo. Click on it. Sign up. And start making money today. Right. College football, listen, we're, we're doing some picks, right? If you follow the brigade, hey, the brigades and, and Juan are leading, are getting close to leading. So, you know, maybe take their advice. Uh, if you want to be bold and take my advice, good luck. But it's not my money. It's your money. But anyways, <laughs> go head over to head over to DGDpodcast.com, check out BetUS, and sign up today and start making money with that. Uh, with that being said, Juan, happy Wednesday, sir. How are you? Good, good, good. Good. What, what, are, those, uh, what are those standing look had a pretty pretty stellar week oh, last, man. last week. All right. We'll we'll hop into it real fast. We'll look at our uh, picks right now. Uh the standings. Um Juan and the Brigade are tied as it stands and myself and Kobe are tied. Um what a what a time to be alive, folks. You know, Juan, you you shit on my Florida pick uh and all my other picks, but me and Kobe are now tied. Um still for that matter. I'm just going to leave that there. So as you can see here, uh, Brigade went six and four. Myself, Kobe went five and five. Juan went eight and two. You know, maybe people, people should start listening to Juan more. Um, but here, neither here nor there. Uh, Kobe, welcome into the show, sir. My man looking like he's Kobe, ready to go right now. What's up, everybody? How are y'all? I'm, I'm doing good, man. We're, we're going to go ahead and we're going to go get jump straight into this. We got our picks. Um, 
we've got our week eight picks. Obviously, Georgia's on a bye, so it's going to be a little bit different because we're not going to do any score predictions, obviously, because Georgia's not playing. Um, but there's still some interesting games here, folks. I, I think this week might be the most interesting one, Kobe. Um, we, we broke this down and, and had our picks, and I think y'all probably can agree that some of these games are, are going to make this pretty interesting. Definitely for sure, especially out in that, that be- Pac-12. Yeah, no, that Pac-12 is going to be interesting, folks. Um, but we'll go ahead and get started. We'll, uh, first game, Troy and South Alabama, Sunbelt, Funbelt, right? Uh, listen, this is this will be for sole place in the Sunbelt. Both of these teams are tied right now, if I'm not mistaken, in the Sunbelt. Um, you know, I think it'll be a really good game. Uh, Juan and Kobe, who do y'all got in this? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Troy. Um, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I hadn't watched very Mahler, South Alabama football, but I do know who Troy is. So I'm going to I'm going to go with. So such so, so Kobe, who do you have in this one? Yeah, I, I'm former UJ excuses kicker at Troy. I just got um, this past week, as Robert knows, with my master's actually from Troy. So I'm I'm going with the Trojans this week, riding the high of me finishing grad school, and they're going to finish off uh, South Alabama. I'm going against USA, folks. Uh, so is the brigade, 71%. Listen, I think this is – listen, I think this will be a good game, but I think Troy takes possession over uh, – sole possession of number one spot in the Sun Belt. Uh, for this week, uh, next game we're going to we're going out west. Uh, Juan, there's a there's a team that you're familiar with, uh, Arizona State, folks. Arizona State taking on Stanford. Um, listen, I think this is a pretty interesting game. Surprisingly, I think this will be an interesting game. Um, we'll go Kobe first. Who do you have in this one? I can't I can't pick against the blood of Juan Daniels. So I'm going Stanford. My man, my man. <laughs> My man. So we got Stanford for Kobe. Who do you got, Juan? Yeah, I, I got Stanford. You know, they're they're coming off of a high beat. They they were, you know, they, they should have beaten Oregon State. They just are starting to finally get it together. So uh, y'all have fun with that. I'm going to play devil's advocate, pun intended. Uh, give me Arizona State. I'll go against the grain here. Eighty-three percent of the brigade has Stanford. Listen, that Notre Dame win was impressive. Uh, for what it's worth, because that was your first, that was Stanford's first FBS win since 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and that was yes, a big was one. That was a big time. one. But I, like I said, I got to play devil's advocate. Sorry, Juan. Uh, give me, um, give me the Arizona State Sun Devils. I think if anything, I think what could separate this game is the logo. I'm just saying, give me the the devil, that old devil right there. That's a classic <laughs> look. It's simple as that. Anyways, uh, third game. I think this is going to be pretty interesting as well. Um, Texas and Okie Light, Oklahoma State. Um, it's not the biggest Big 12 game. Um, I, th- I think you look at Kansas State, TCU being probably the biggest, most meaningful game there. But I do think that this this matchup is a pretty interesting matchup that they should match up well against. Um, Kobe, I'll start off. Who do you have in this one? I think this is a- big matchup for for one um alone and right now 
college football playoff poll, everybody's really talking about if Quinn Ewers never gets hurt, Texas is undefeated, right? And and, and not saying that that you know project them into the playoffs, but in the eyes of the committee, they may say, well, you're right. This team is a whole different team, and if Texas keeps winning like I think they are, you know, ten and two at the end of the year it is going to look nice in a Big Twelve championship. Texas. Juan, who do you have in this give me, one, sir? Give, give me Oklahoma State. I mean, Oklahoma State. There's a TCU. You know, they probably felt like they should have. They should have won that game, and. And I agree better team with Quinn Ewers, but they did not impress last week. Um, that was a team that they should have completely blown. It was a struggle. Um, and, and, and so, you know, just know that Oklahoma State, you know, they're, they're going to be ramped up, you know, amped up, everything for, you know, for this game. Listen, I'm just going to let you know right now, I got burnt by choosing Oklahoma State. So with me being burnt, Right, without getting burnt, right? As you see right here, what's that Texas color? What, burnt orange? Hey, give me Texas. Give me Texas. Quinn Ewers will be the game, uh, the X factor, I think. I think he'll be the X factor here. Listen, the brigade was so torn, they couldn't even figure out who would win this game. It's even split 50-50. Uh, so this is legitimately the first time we've had a toss-up game. Uh, so if you're in the chat, obviously just drop who you think will win. And the most in the live viewer section today will be determining that pick. Um, that's going to be a good game, though. I, I do think that'll be a very good game. Uh, moving to the ACC, another battle of Orange team. What is up with Orange this week? I, I can't stand Orange, but there's a lot of it. And speaking of Orange, the Orange of Syracuse traveling down to Clemson. Uh, a ranked matchup. I don't think nobody would have saw Syracuse being undefeated so far. Uh, I think this is an interesting game. Uh, Kobe, we'll start off with you. Who do you have in this game? Yeah, I think Syracuse, you know, there's been a, a not really feel-good stories this year, but just some surprise teams. And Syracuse is definitely – I think traveling down to Denton and Clemson is going to be too much for them. I mean – Dabo and, and those guys, they don't lose at home. If this game's at Syracuse, we know in the past that that's given Clemson some trouble, but I just think this year at home, they're going to get it done. Clemson wins. Juan, who do you got, sir? I've, I've got Syracuse some inspired football right now. I don't think that Clemson is as good as everybody else. Did not be the number four team. Just, you know, Kind of reminds me of Notre Dame when they started out at the Seminoles. I do think that they're going to put pressure on DJ. They're going to get to him. Um, and, I, and I just think got a victory this weekend. Well. I think Clemson has shown to me that they, they have done enough. Their slate of, right, you look at Wake Forest, NC State, Florida State handling business there. I, I think you see that team is starting to form into what it should have been looking like all along. Uh, listen, historically, though, Syracuse has given them problems. However, they are at Clemson. Syracuse, when they're at the Carrier Dome, Clemson struggles. 
They are not at the Carrier Dome. Give me Clemson as much as 86%. Also, 86% of the brigade has Clemson won. The lone wolf in it uh, begins. Um, listen, college game day, folks, is going to this next game. Uh, this is surprising. Like before the season, did not see this coming. UCLA, Oregon, in Eugene. Like I said, that is a that is a marquee game for the week, if you look at it that way. Both teams are playing excellent football. Uh, DTR, Bo Nix on both sides of the QB. And listen, both of them playing good ball. Oregon, since Georgia game, has been averaging almost 45 points a game, folks. Um, top, t- I think they're top 10 now as well. Um, but first, Kobe, who do you got? Um, I, I just think we've got to ride with the Ducks here. I, I like UCLA. I agree. They've been playing some good football, some inspired football. But um, I, I just don't think they're going to have what it takes to beat the Ducks in at home. So I'm going Oregon. Give me Dan Lanning, another big-time win in this first season. Um, go Ducks. Juan? Uh, give me UCLA, you know, for, for them to, you know, come out and, 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 and – you know, and, and beat them handily. Um, you know, I've, I've been to Oregon. I've watched Oregon play handily, but score a lot of points. But I've watched Oregon play, and uh, you, you know what, Bo Nix, and that, that's that's going to be the wild card. That's going to be the determining factor. And I just see it being a situation in which going to have a crucial turnover at the end, and that's that's what's going to cost them the game. You make me want to shout, come on now, shout, come on. Yeah, nah, nah, give me Oregon. Give me Oregon. Listen, DTR, Chip Kelly, UCLA has been an excellent team. I love their story this season. I do. I really do. But I think overall the talent gap between Oregon and UCLA could play the difference here, especially at home. Uh, you look at Noah Sewell, Justin Flo, that defense, especially that offense. That offense has been potent. I, I don't see it slowing down, and I think Georgia's matchup in week one taught this team the physicality that they have to go out and play every week. So I think you see that transfer over, right, the ability to sustain to sustain drives, score points, but the, the physicality will take over, and I think that can be the ultimate deciding factor uh, this week in Eugene. Like I said, give me Oregon. So does 56% of the brigade. Tell I got a question for you. They, they did beat, uh, you know, uh, UCLA did beat Utah. Utah's name. But go ahead. They did. Is is Oregon and UCLA in the same side of the pack? Um, no, they're not. So is this the first time Chip Kelly's returned to Oregon? Yeah. I believe it is. It's gonna be, that's going to be interesting. Uh, you know what though, like this, this kind of the narrative, right? Like they write themselves almost. Like this, like this season's been full of narratives, and, and I think you look at Chip Kelly going back to Eugene, right? I think the, the Oregon fans will remember that shit too. Let's be honest. Um, but yeah, no, I, I know you, Juan. You talked about them playing Utah, uh, UCLA playing Utah. Oregon's got to do the same thing. So, we'll, I mean, obviously, at the end of the season, we can look back through and see compare, right, games against that team, but. I just think it's hard to stop an offense, man. Sometimes, right, when you score 45 points on average, right, that's I don't even think that's including the 70 yeah. they threw up against Eastern Washington. Yeah. So 
they're throwing up some points and they're making it look easy too. So, like I said, I got Oregon there. All right, moving on to our SEC matchups, folks. UT Martin taking on them lousy stinking balls up there in Knoxville. Boy, oh boy, the shit talking has not stopped since they beat the Gumps down there in Tuscaloosa. Juan. Kobe, I think we're, we're not even going to do this, folks. We're just going to go straight because this one's too easy, folks. Yeah. 100%. Listen, this is clean slate. You, Tennessee is going to demolish UT Martin. We're not even going to do a pick like this. We're not going to tell you why. It's it's a wrap. It's a but, pure wrap. We will we will take a moment and speak on, on one thing, though. Oh, here we go. How, how about them starting the GoFundMe to replace the field goal post? I, I just feel like at some point, if you're the AD and you would have met with me, if I'm the AD at Tennessee, if any of us are, and you would have met with me on Friday before the Alabama game, and you would have said, you know, Kobe, you're going to have to pay $250,000 right now. dollars for the field, $50,000 for the goalpost, and $50,000, $100,000 for a new turf, give or take. I'd have wrote that check on the spot <laughs> as they did. So why are you begging your fans to help you replace the goalposts? They got $154,000 out of that too, by the way. What couldn't be my team? Our AD would just write the check. Our, let, let the fans enjoy that. You know, you listen to this, man. Like, it, it makes sense. Like, how? Like either, either somebody, either that fan base just ain't got the right things clicking up top or – they're, they got, they got some con men for damn AD and shit, just sitting there conning them folks out of money, also, because of the because of the situation. I don't know. Also, one other fact that I thought was really cool, and eventually we will get there as as Georgia, but I saw on Twitter this week that every regular season Alabama loss on the road in the past however many years since maybe Saban's been there has resulted in them – that team has rushed the field every time they've yep. beaten Bama on the road. That's unbelievable. Well, no, I mean, I think you're right. I, it makes sense, right? Every, I think that's the that's the hardest thing to deal with uh, is getting past that. But, you know, we'll get to this a little bit later. But Bama just is undisciplined right now. And it's one of these things where it's confusing to see. It, it's it's It makes you scratch your head. Uh, listen, I think here's another one. Uh, y'all ready for this barn burner? Vanderbilt, Missouri, folks, the battle of the bottom. All right, battle of the bottom. Here we go. Juan, who do you got in this one? Oh, I've got, I've got Missouri all, all day. I mean, Missouri, you know, gave Georgia all it can handle. Vanderbilt came out there and literally just, it was terrible. Vanderbilt is, is bad. Oof. Kobe? I think the biggest – I mean, let's. St I'll start out this. Missouri's going to win. I think you. what you're really worried about if you're Vanderbilt is can you keep that quarterback there come this offseason? My man's going to be a hot commodity in the portal if he chooses to. I mean, he's been very impressive. He was – you know, he didn't play great against us, but he has played. He's been been solid. Um, Juan's right. I mean, Missouri's just a, a better team all around. Um, you know, Vandy – Bandy got some big wins early, got more year. But, I mean, it, Missouri has a good defense. Like, that's what people, you know, I mean, they have a solid defense. 
Missouri, I think, is going to win. Vanderbilt's at the bottom of the East. I don't know if that's going anywhere anytime soon either. Listen, I'll tell you what, though. If they keep A.J. Swan and build around him, there's a potential that Vanderbilt could come from seventh to six. I said potential. I didn't say it would happen, Juan. Stop doing that. Just leaving that there. (laughs) Just saying. But, no, give me Missouri. I think Missouri's got this game, Um, as does 74% of the brigade. Excuse me. Good Lord. Uh, Moving on to the Aggies versus the Gamecocks. Kobe, who you got? Yeah, this was a this was a hard hard choice because, um, you know, Texas A and M on paper is a, a pretty good team, but we've seen them play, um, you know, up and down, inspired, not inspired. You know, the Alabama game they played really well. You know, Alabama also had four. T- I mean, anytime you're four turnover team, the other team is going to look really good. I mean, you look at 2019 UGA versus South Carolina. You have four turnovers, bad things happen. It's just the truth. Um, I think I think Beamer Ball gets it done this week. I think the Chickens beat the Aggies. Um, you know, I think, think that he's he's taking steps in the right direction with his program. Most seems to be taking steps in the wrong direction. And and if he loses this one, um, you know, the, the warm seat that is under Jimbo's ass is going to be just a little bit hotter. Uh, maybe a lot of it hotter. One. Give me South Carolina. Will Fisher. Ooh. He's just trash. I, I just he's synonymous with trash compactor. That's what I think of. But get, give me South Carolina in this one. You know what? <clears throat> I need to humble y'all a little bit with a stat. AM is is undefe- is undefeated against South Carolina since joining the SEC uh, since joining the SEC if I'm not mistaken. With that being said, though, you ready for this? With that being said, I have to look at history and say that changes Saturday. Give me the Cox. Give me the Cox. Eighty six percent of the brigade, however, thinks that Texas A&M will take this game uh, in Columbia. Listen, Marshawn Lloyd is the perfect recipe to beat the Aggies. Their run defense is still god-awful. Marshawn Lloyd has had some breakout games. He's riding a lot of momentum right now. But all that being said, I think you look at guys that haven't really made a lot of noise this year for South Carolina, Uh, Josh Van, right, Jaheim Bell. I expect them to have big games in a night game for one. Two, this is probably one of the – this is probably a pivotal game in a sense of yeah, Texas A&M looks very vulnerable. And if South Carolina can take care of business, that is a statement game for not just the week, not just this season, but I think moving forward in Shane Beamer's tenure, I think that'll be a marquee game that they obviously are going to come ready to go for. And I think they get it done in a close one at home. With that being said, let's move over. We talked about these gumps earlier, but Mississippi State and Alabama both coming off of a loss. Um, Mississippi State traveling to Alabama. Uh, who you got, Kobe? I'm sure you've read, um, or at least I did on Twitter as well, that in 2019, 
Alabama lost to LSU at home. The next week they play Mississippi State, beat them by 40. Last year they lost to um, a Texas A&M on the road. Next week they play them by 45. This year they lose again on you know on the road. This week they play Mississippi State. I mean, talk just awful, awful luck, Mississippi State, in the scheduling process. Because yeah. you're going to get an angry this week. And and I think from here on out, we need to sit at the beginning and look, who does Al play before Mississippi State? And I'm going to put some money on that's the upset game of the year. Because it just keeps happening to them. So, um, Alabama is going to – throttle them but expect Mississippi State to throw the ball around a little bit I mean Tennessee threw the ball around on Alabama with great success don't think that you know Mike Leach hadn't watched that all week and you know but I I still think Alabama is just too much for them even even as undisciplined as Alabama has shown themselves to be so far through this year I've got Alabama but I think Alabama cannot overlook Mississippi State because we saw what just happened. That secondary got torched all game. But Tennessee also was able to run the ball with success as well. And what is something that Mississippi State has shown now that they have the potential to do? Switch it up and run the ball. Will Rogers is playing good football. They Obviously, they got beat by Kentucky. But at the same time, he's playing good ball. I'm not saying that it will happen. But don't overlook Mississippi State. History will tell you that it's going to be a, a route, period. There's, it's that simple. But I think it could be closer than Bama fans want to, to deal with. And if it is closer than what I think it, what I think it could be, if, if it's that close, Bama fans might seriously, seriously melt down. Like we thought, we thought it was bad after losing to Tennessee. It might continue into next week if things – happen the way I think it could happen. Not saying it will, but could. Um, if, if Mississippi State keeps this close, people are going to be scratching their heads and really, really looking at that team. Last game of the week to pick here, the Magnolia Bowl, folks. Ole Miss traveling to Baton Rouge to take on the LSU Tigers. Kobe, who do you got? You know, we were talking about the other day that LSU's come a long way from from a one loss, um, a one point loss in Florida State. Uh, you know, I, Brian Kelly's going to get LSU back in the right direction, whether it's through painful Southern accents or or whatever you want to say. Um, I just think that this year, Jackson Dart, Zach Evans, Lane Kiffin, um, you know, I, I still just think Ole Miss is going to be too much for them scoring wise. But, um, you know, I could see it being a shootout this week. I mean, look at Vanderbilt and how many points they put up on Ole Miss. You look at Auburn last week, I think, played Ole Miss and almost beat them. You know, it it, it could be a a high – let's put it this way. Bet the over if you got – if you're playing on Bet US. But I still think Ole Miss gets it done. I'm just saying that historically this game has been a very high-scoring game. (laughs) <laughs> it's been a very high-scoring game. Uh, Juan, who do you got in this one, boss? You know, Ole 
Miss easily. Uh, uh, LSU, even though they came off of a surprising win, last terrible. I mean, they they are. They're they're bad, and Ole Miss is going to expose that. I just want to make something known real fast. I've got Ole Miss in this game, but I think I think LSU can keep it close. I, I like LSU. Listen, y'all gave me shit for for them being. Uh, you know, having them pick second, we'll talk about these standards in, in just a little bit. Um, but yeah, give me, give me Ole Miss, give me Ole Miss in this. Um, also, fifty-five percent uh, of the brigade has Ole Miss in this one. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be a good game. I think it will be a good game. With that being said, Juan, have a great day, sir. He has to hop off. Uh, Kobe, we're gonna stick around here and we're gonna talk about our SEC. Uh, predictions we made before the season. We're going to take a look at that. Uh, I I think there's some uh, interesting things here. We're going to break down the SEC East and the SEC West. Where did we get, what did we get right? What did we get wrong? Um, I think it'll be very interesting to look at this, obviously through the, you know, through this point of the season. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back for our predictions. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It is time for the SEC predictions. We're going to break it down first. We're going to look at the East first. All right. I think this is simple here. Um, let's look at it this way. We're going to pull this up. Current, the current SEC East standings are as follows. Georgia, number one, 
Tennessee number two, Kentucky at third, South Carolina in fourth, them Gators down there in Gainesville at five, Mizzou and Vandy. Kobe, you had Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee, USC, Florida, Mizzou, Vandy. So literally year two and three have flipped, and that is it. So you're pretty much spot on. Um, Juan, Juan is perfect. Juan is perfect so far. Uh, and, and myself, I, I flipped. I need to flip USC and Florida. Uh, obviously, this is just rough, roughly the halfway point, so things will change. Obviously, um, how are you? So, how do your feelings on the SEC East so far uh, through this point? You know, um, I think Tennessee's won uh, obviously a few big games that we expect didn't necessarily expect them to win. Kentucky um, has choked a game or two. You know, they, they, they've kind of marked Stoops it up a little bit. They, this loss to South Carolina just shouldn't happen. Like, I understand Will Levis is out, but at some point, Stoops has been there and has been here long enough at Kentucky that you should be able to lose Levis and still win the game. We could have gone into South Carolina without Stetson Bennett and won that game. It, it it's just the it's just what great teams do. I mean, you look at Alabama. Yes, they struggled without Bryce Young for two weeks, but they won. And 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 that culture, that's the depth of recruiting that you program when you know when you sign kids on. Um, as far as everybody else, Vandy started out really hot. They they've fallen down a little bit. Mizzou, I think, could honestly climb a spot. I, I could see Mizzou finishing ahead of Florida now. Um, you know, we're just in the halfway point. Uh, Kentucky, I would say, is even in danger of finishing fourth behind South Carolina, possibly. South Carolina beats Texas A&M this week, and they're on the right track to being right there at third in the east. Um, what, what you thinking? No, you know, I'm looking at it. I think I think for what, what it's worth, right, if we pull the graphic back up here, you know, I, I think the USC, right, look at had him at fifth or had him at five. You know, obviously you can't project injuries, right? So the fact that Will Levis, you know, was out against South Carolina, I think made an impact in that game. Uh, and ultimately that impact could change the trajectory of three and five. I think Florida will probably finish fifth. Because they've still got, you know, they still got Georgia, obviously, and, and you still got a decent matchup coming in as well. But Florida's just not playing good football, man. They're just not, right? They're just not, you know. We obviously had them going, you know, I had them going five, or sorry, fourth, giving them the benefit of a doubt. But when you look at what they've done so far, they're they're not impressed me, and I don't even think they're the fourth best team in 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 the uh, in the East, right? So USC could side up past four. Uh, listen, USC and Florida still have to play, and I think they go to the swamp. So that could honestly, I guess in theory, make me right if that game goes however way it does. Um, I, I think with Will Levis back, though, I, I do think that Kentucky does enough to sustain that third spot, though. Um, listen, we, we, we called Tennessee being good. Um, did we expect it to be this good that we've seen? Uh, maybe not just, you know, maybe not that high, but they've still got Georgia to play. After Georgia, right, after Georgia, 
they, they really they play South Carolina, they play Vanderbilt, they play Missouri. That's it. That's it in the SEC. So their rough games outside of Georgia have already done. So obviously they got Kentucky in a couple weeks. I don't think that'll be a problem for them, but it could because Kentucky is a very physical team. Um, so we'll see how this thing plays out. But so far, I feel like the East was somewhat predictable, right? Like fairly predictable. Um, so we're reading here. Um, let's see, looking through the comments here. Rude says top three of the East, two top 10 teams and a top 25 team. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's, it's wild to think that, you know, there's an argument, Kobe, that the SEC East is better than the SEC West this year. And I'm yeah, not saying that, that it's pretty rude saying that too. The, you know, I think that I think I would agree that it's definitely very top heavy good. Like Georgia, Tennessee, you know, maybe you could argue Kentucky is are, are all very solid teams. I you know, I mean, South Carolina. Have, South Carolina, Kobe, is on the cusp of being a ranked team. Yeah. Keep they that beat in mind. this week and you're right. You throw in South Carolina in that mix too. I want to say, based off of the votes that they got, the others receiving votes, right, in the AP poll, if I'm not mistaken, they're like 29th. So, like I said, they're right on the cusp of being ranked. So, you know, that's four, that's four out of seven teams potentially being ranked this, this week if things play out that way, right? So, like I said, you, you, when you look at that right there, that's, that's impressive. That's impressive. Um, UK is legit my Duck Dynasty brother. Oh, boy. Um, but obviously, we've, we talked about the East. I, I think the SEC East is better than the SEC West this year. Now, my question is, is that sustained, right? Is the pendulum starting to swing and we're starting to see that effect, right? Because if you know what I mean, the pendulum is the swing of power in this case. Um, listen, SEC West has been the dominant division in the SEC for, what, the past decade, if you will, uh, from top to bottom. And arguably Listen, the whole college football – in all of college football, the SEC was yeah. the hardest place I to mean, play. You're going to hear the Big Ten East try to throw out that argument. And, and to some degree, I understand that argument. I, I do. Um, but when you look at certain – like in years past, right? we talk about this pendulum. When you look at Alabama, LSU, uh, Ole Miss, right? Um, who else? Uh, Auburn was ranked, right? Like, you had four or five teams easily in that division. I think, hell, at one point, six out of the seven were ranked in the top 25 at one point. I think you're starting to see that pendulum maybe swinging just a little bit in favor of the SEC East. With that being said, though, let's break down the SEC West. Um, This is where it gets tricky, folks. We talk about a wild, wild west. It is really the wild, wild west right now. It is funky. Um, Currently, Ole Miss at number one in in the West. Followed by Bama, LSU at three, Mississippi State four, AM at five, Auburn at six, and Arkansas at seven. Kobe, uh, Arkansas has just been a disappointment for your standards, I would assume, because you had them going second. You had them going second. Myself and Juan had them going third. We knew that they had a rough schedule. I did not see it going this way, though. Um, you know, obviously you look at, right, A&M, you had third, they're at fifth. Like I said, a lot of the West kind of shown true colors in it, if you will. And it is just a lot of people got these predictions wrong. It's well, just I that think, simple. I think a big thing, um, you know, 
obviously, you know, you're not going to blame any one thing because last is last. But you look at that kick that they missed against Texas A&M and where that kind of vaulted them into their season, you know, things kind of kind of took a, a tumble for, for Arkansas after that loss in a game that they really should have won. Um, and I think the most impressive thing, if you pull that back up for a second, I think one of the most impressive things to me is looking at you have Ole Miss at fifth, he has Ole Miss at fourth, and I have Ole Miss at fourth, and Ole Miss is currently first. How impressive has it been that, you know, they've replaced Matt Corral and all the production offensively immediately with Jackson Dart and Zackens. And honestly, Ole Miss and Alabama is going to be a good game to watch. I mean, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, though. To your point, though, when you look at Ole Miss, right, with the fact that they're at number one in the West right now, I'm just letting you know right now that the after this week moving forward, it's a it is a pure gauntlet, a pure gauntlet because you have LSU this week, you've and then throughout the season you've still got you've got AM, you've got Bama, you've got Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl, you've got Arkansas at home. They their hardest games are ahead of them. So we will genuinely see what Ole Miss is made out of, in my opinion. That's that gauntlet is so difficult. I don't see how they come out of that unscathed. I just don't. I, I just don't. I could see it. I just don't see it happening. The nice thing is too is is we're just now getting into what, like you're saying, the real meaty part of the SEC schedule. You know, I think we talked about um, LSU. Um, who's LSU play again? Who we pick them? The LSU plays Ole Miss this week. So LSU is going to drop from three this week with a loss. Texas A&M plays South Carolina, so they could either drop farther or raise higher. Um, you know, you're still going to see a lot of this fluctuation as these teams either start playing each other or start playing, you know, their their SEC East opponents. You know, it it, it you still got a, a good chance that LSU – is near the bottom of this pack. You still got a good chance that that Bama and Ole Miss, I'd say, are, are going to finish one and two in in some order. You know, I look at it right here. Right? Obviously, I went and made the bold prediction that LSU finished second. I might be wrong, but I just think that Jaden Daniels showed me something against Florida. Now, obviously, I don't trust Florida's defense like a wet fart. I just don't. But – one of the things that you really have to look at is I felt like there was some confidence established there in, in the vertical passing game. He trusted he trusted the linemen. They blocked long enough. He threw the ball down the field, made completions. Listen, they were up on Florida by three scores. Now, the defense has got to get some work and not, and not let them get back in it. But at the same time, you pulled out a win in the swamp. So that take that for what it's worth. I think that's impressive to do, especially with a team that's been questionable, right? We've seen some questionable games from them. I think you see them carry that momentum moving forward. They've got Miss they've got Bama still lurking. They've got they've well obviously got Ole Miss this week, so who knows what'll happen. You have the benefit of it being home, so you, can you take advantage of it? You know, listen, you still got AM. I think LSU beats AM. 
we'll talk about that later, but things can change. Um, you know, it might not, you know, depending on how things play out, right. You know, maybe, maybe I have to move Arkansas down and maybe LSU moves to third or something. Right. We'll see how things play out, but it'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, like, like you're saying, you basically LSU, you're a point away from being, you'd be, I think five and one right now in the season. Um, yeah. You know, and then Texas A&M thinking about their schedule ahead. I'm pretty sure they still have both SEC East events because they play South Carolina this week, and then they play um, Florida. I know the week after we play Florida. I'm pretty sure. So I, mean, I, I think you know, so. Yeah, that I gives so. Texas A&M a chance that you know maybe maybe you win both of those games. You're you're kind of moving. That's two SEC wins against the East. And you're kind of climbing the ladder again, you know. That that loss to App State just has really killed them, though. Listen, I think you it could go one of two ways. Either either they take the dubs against South Carolina and Florida, they split. If they split, depending on how it splits, that buyout might be enticing to get that man out of there, because. I'm just saying, we've said this over and over again. He's not making the changes necessary to evolve offensively. The talent alone, Kobe, the talent alone on A&M's roster offensively should be on par with some of the top scoring offenses in the country, if you really look at it that way, I think. But the offense is so outdated that we're seeing the product that we're seeing. And it's been the same. The problem is it's been the same thing for years since he's been there. Nothing has changed. Just the names on the backs of the jerseys. That's it. It doesn't matter who you plug in at quarterback. It don't matter. It's the same product. And people, A&M, I don't think they, I don't think they thought themselves through. And I think now they're starting to see that he's not making the changes to, to evolve. And it's going to cost you eight and four seasons or seven and five. To me, you're seeing you're seeing those effects occur in the same way that it cost Ed Ogeron his job. And at some point, Texas A&M would be great if they had a great quarterback. But the problem is they don't, and they haven't prioritized it. I mean, they I think they signed a five-star quarterback this cycle, but it's like, Will Levis has been in the portal. Hendon Hooker's been in the portal. Jaden Daniels has been in the portal. You look at all these guys that have floated around the portal and have come up with a new home. JT Daniels has been in the portal. I mean, there's a name out at West Virginia. Slovis has been in the portal. I mean, Jackson Dart. There have just been so many starting quarterbacks in Division One football that are better than both the guys they got right now. How you haven't gone and plucked an elite, top 10, top 15 quarterback and said, this is our guy. We're going to ride with him being good and being a winner. And and there may be a few games that we win purely because we just have the better quarterback. I mean, Alabama has done that time and time again with Bryce Young since they've had him. He's no doubt the best quarterback Nick Saban's ever had. And they've won games purely on him alone. He he honestly kept them in the game against Tennessee. If you really look back at it and break it down, some of the plays that he made, he kept he they basically put the team on the back though, um, and just carried them down the field. Right? 
you know, I look at A&M and I think this is, like I said, it, it stems down to it doesn't matter who you bring in. If we're focusing on just the quarterback position, it doesn't matter if you go get Caleb Williams. It really doesn't. The offensive scheme is going to hold that offense back. It's going to hold A&M back, right? If, if you, you know, you talked about kind of similar to Ed Orgeron. What about Georgia specifically? Georgia had Mark Ritt. We had he averaging nine ten games a season, nine ten wins a season, right? We ended up letting him go. At some point, what is it going to take to to evolve the the team and the program to get into where you want to be, which is a national title, right? Kirby Smart, boom, there you go. Like, I, I find it baffling to me that A and M is valuing number one recruiting classes and eight and four seasons seem to be okay so far. They've, they've made too many excuses over the years because this is his fifth year. These are all his guys. There's no question about that. Yet here they are on the cusp of going eight and four again, and maybe even seven and five, depending on how the rest of the season plays out. It could get worse depending on how things play out. But it seems like when you talk to A&M fans or you hear, for, about, hear about A&M, People are listening to the, you know, oh, well, we got the number one recruiting class, blah, blah, blah. Just understand that that number one recruiting class won't make a fucking difference because your offense is so outdated, it don't matter. It, it just won't matter. Like one player won't make a difference. Weigman, a five-star quarterback they got out of this cycle as well, if I'm not mistaken, good player, good quarterback out of high school. But will it matter if he's running that same Jimbo offense? No, he won't. At least that I, that's the way I feel about it. Well, I agree. You look at you look at the guys that have won natties in recent years. You look at their OC. You look at Todd Munkin and how how much he's changed Georgia's offense. You look at Alabama and you look at Steve Sarkeesian and how absolutely disgusting their offense was in 2020. You look at LSU. You look at Joe Burrow and their OC. And how good they were. I mean, they were virtually unstoppable. You look at Clemson when they had Deshaun Watson and all the weapons that he had and the way that they changed the way people thought about offenses and quarterbacks. I mean, he single-handedly has Alabama running dual-threat quarterbacks just because he beat them once. I mean, it takes those kind of offenses to win big games. And, And if you're playing with a with an offense from 2014, like you're saying, you're, you're in games you're supposed to be in, but you're not controlling, you're not dominating, you're not scoring the points that your, that your skill level would project you to have. And, and at some point, it just gets old. And the day of the transfer portal and not having to sit, I mean, eight and four, seven and five, that may be okay with some of the donors, some of the boosters. Now, they might say, Coach, we're going to give you another year. But at the, at the end of the day, the kids aren't going to give you that much time. You're going to start losing the guys that you that you have on your team. I mean, I think you look at it, right? Like, you look at some of these guys, man. Like, Evan Stewart looks outworld, like otherworldly. If you really watch him, like, the kid is ridiculously talented, Right. But if the offense is the way it is, how many of those guys wanted to go there for the money and how many guys want to go to win a fucking championship? 
I think you literally have to do some soul searching because, right, if you look at A&M, right, obviously they they lost to App State, right, which is a big deal. Um, to me, I, I just think it's very interesting to see how long these kids will stick around, right? Because A&M schedule, right, A&M, if I'm not mistaken, they have a bye week. Or, sorry, they play South uh, – they will play South Carolina, excuse me. They play South Carolina this week. Then they go – or then Ole Miss comes to town. Then they go uh, – then Florida comes to town. They go to Auburn, UMass, and LSU. You need to you need to show some significant changes for anyone outside of the program to believe you have any kind of sense of, of evolution, Right. You need to show me that you're trying to make changes because if you don't, you can't sit here and say that these recruits ain't paying attention, right? At some point, at some point, money becomes a factor of it's not about the money all that much. I I want to go win championships. I, I just feel that. I just feel that you, way. You look at you look at Evan Stewart, right? And he'll he'll be our best example. You look at Evan Stewart. He has been the key receiver in this Texas A&M offense, but. At eight and four, seven and five, Evan Stewart. If you put your name in the portal, I mean, you're talking about you don't have to leave the state, and you're the best receiver probably down at Texas. Okay, you don't really want to go to Texas, you know? Okay, well, I think I'm gonna go to Tennessee. Look how well they're throwing the ball around. Okay, you don't want to go out there. Fine, you want to go out and live in Cali for a few years. You look at USC and what they've done with Jordan Addison. I mean, those are all programs that that are running new age, current offenses. And and that's really where those type of receivers are going to thrive. I mean, you're talking about that Evan Stewart, yeah, he's going to get a lot of looks at Texas A&M, and, and maybe that's great for him, but you're just not, at, at this current trend with their offense, you're just not going to win a lot of games. And, and that's not important to everybody. You know, different things are important to different players. He may be enjoying his check. He may be enjoying being the best player on that entire team. He may be enjoying to be wide receiver one uncontested. I mean, there's probably not a chance that they'll ever have a receiver that'll come in and, and coach is like, well, you're going to have to, you know, beat him out to keep your spot, Evan. It's going to be like, we can't win games without you, Evan Stewart. So I need you out here. I, listen, AM, you can sit here and have your own episode about them and the struggles that they've been going through since Jimbo got there. But let's let's spend these last few minutes talking about them Gumps in Tuscaloosa. If Kobe, if you've ever seen the picture of the wall in Tuscaloosa in their facility, <clears throat> there's a sign that they post up and it says no excuses. That sign's a goddamn lie. Because since Saturday, and still to this point right now, I guarantee you can go on Twitter, you will not hear the end of all of the excuses. It, it To me, it is, it is laughable because I'm not used to seeing Alabama fans look like that, right? We remember when Alabama prior to Nick Saban had some down years. But I think a majority of this fan base – can't remember that or they weren't around for that and I think it is showing on full display I because at some point 
it, it's no different than than anything. And we've we've talked about it. Only LSU in 2019 and Alabama in 2020, I think. Maybe Clemson one year. I don't remember. It's a little fuzzy. Those are the only teams that have ever gone undefeated and won a national championship during the college football playoffs. Everybody else has lost a game along the way. And I guess for Alabama fans, you know, what? why are you freaking out? You lost to Tennessee. They're not even near side of the SEC. Everything is still wide open for you. I mean, you know, you lost to Texas A&M last year in a, in a very similar field goal fashion, and you played a national championship. Now, now I think what the problem has been is all offseason, all you've heard is, oh, we would have won if. Oh, Nick Saban called it a rebuilding year. Losing a natty is not bad in a rebuilding year. And so that has all these fans saying, you know, the media, this could be the most talented Alabama team that Nick Saban's ever coached. They got Jermaine Burton. They have Eli Ricks. They have Jameer Gibbs. They have the returning Heisman Trophy winner. You know, all this hype of this could be the best Alabama team ever. But I guess at the end of the day, you got punched in the mouth at Tennessee and you had a chance to win the game. I mean, you're not going to beat every team by 21. You're not that Alabama anymore. You, you look at the past two, three years, when you're Alabama and you've gone on the road, you have struggled. You struggled at Texas. You lost at Texas A&M. You lost at Tennessee. You, you know, you've struggled. It, it, it's just kind of how it's been trending lately. And it's not anybody's fault. My The funniest thing I've seen on Twitter is people are like, it's time to get rid of Bill O'Brien. I'm like, Bill O'Brien didn't put up 52 points against you. He scored the 49 for you. Like, issue is golding that defense that let him score the 52. There was no halftime adjustment. There was no nothing. They ran the same. I mean, anytime you read that a man has six catches for five touchdowns or whatever it was, how is he not double covered the rest of the game? How are you letting that guy beat you? It's not my team. It can't I mean, be my team. Well, and it might be. I'm not going to say anything because, I mean, it might be. We may be in two weeks, we may be in the same boat as them going, holy cow. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit here and think that Kirby Smart is not going to make halftime adjustments. Historically, yeah, there was, there... Speaking, historically speaking, and Georgia fans, you damn sure all know it in your soul. What has Nick Saban been unbelievable at in his time at Alabama? And that is going in at halftime, making adjustments, coming out in the second half, breaking you of your will, and beating you in as a second-half football team. It happened in Georgia in 2017, happened in Georgia in 2018, happened in Georgia in 2020. I mean, those are just games that he normally goes in at halftime, makes an adjustment defensively, offensively, both, and they come out, they're tied, I think, maybe down by seven at half, down by eight maybe, whatever. They They were coming back. Yeah, they were they were one score away. They were carrying yeah. momentum. 
and you just came back and and you didn't look like you had adjusted. And and to me, that's what would be concerning. Like that, it's not the loss I would be concerned about. It's not any of that. It's not even this season. It's the fact that the the staple of Nick Saban is the halftime adjustments to wins. Sometimes you might not even attribute it to to um, the adjustments. That's that's one big factor. This team is undisciplined, dude. Like, uh, when have we ever sat here and looked around? and seen 17 penalties on an Alabama team. Like, I think it was 15 or 16 against Texas. Like, A&M had, some, had a ton of penalties. This team is this team is just false starting there. You know, like, it's, like, let's be honest. If, if Quinn Ewers is playing at Texas for the whole game, they're two I losses already. Two loss team right now, which is hard like, to believe. I mean, listen, you win the game, give you credit there. But I'm just saying, Quinn Ewers, prior to that injury, was lighting them up. If Texas A&M isn't running a 1950s offense, it may be a three-loss team. And that's a lot of what-ifs, and I'm not going to get into that. I mean, we could what-if that we lost to Missouri. But at the end of the day, you're right. Turnovers, uncharacteristic turnovers, penalties are killer. Killer. They caught the game Winning interception would have won the game. Flag on the field, give the ball back to Tennessee. They score. Next I mean, play, the, next play, they score. <laughs> those are the kind of those are the kind of things in a game that that you know Kirby's going to ask: Was it worth it? Were you in such a bad position on that receiver? Was it worth it to grab and hold? And no, the answer is no. There's no way you're in that bad of a position. And that's my thought on it. <clears throat> we can talk. Listen, we can sit here and do this all day. But I think what we're going to do here is we're going to wrap this thing up. Obviously, we talked about – obviously, we made our picks for the week. We got to sit here, break down the SEC, right? It's been a wild SEC year, right? It's been a fun one. Yeah. So, we, so when you look at where we stand, right, made our predictions, where are we standing? Are we on the right track, if you will? And it's always fun to sit there and just laugh at those damn gunks down there in Tuscaloosa when you get the chance. When you get a chance. All is not lost, Bama fans. If you listen, for some reason you want to sit here and make a clip out of this, go for it. All is not lost. But you're not doing yourself any favors by going on to Twitter and Instagram and just complaining about the refs and this and that. Listen, Touchdown Alabama has to be the best tweet I think I've ever seen. Sitting there shows the the, uh, the the ref right calling the touchdown, and then he does this and walks off. the 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 logic behind that fucking video is baffling. It's it's laughable. It, it just is. Um, obviously, listen. So we're gonna we're gonna see how this weekend goes uh, in college football. We're gonna come back Monday. We're gonna do our superlatives right midseason awards Monday. Um. We're going to do that. We're going to talk. We're going to move forward. Right? We're going to look forward to kind of preview the back half of our season for the, you know, obviously for the Georgia's back half of the season. An eval of where we are, you know, from the first half and looking forward to the back half. So we're going to do a deep dive into that. I think it'll be very informative. 
Uh, obviously, like I said, hand out some midseason awards Monday. Uh, Kobe, as always, man, it's a pleasure having you on, sir. Yes, sir. Listeners, viewers, too, you're going to get a double dip next week. I'm going to be, be on the Monday show for once, moving up ooh, in this wee. world. Ooh, wee, ooh. Anyways, make sure like, follow, subscribe. If you're on the podcast, listening to us, like, right, follow, subscribe, whatever there. Do whatever. Uh, leave a review. Let us know if you like it. If, it, if you think the show shit, let us know. Uh, if it's even listenable, right, let us know. Uh, with that being said, have a great day. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you back here Monday. Go dogs. Go dogs. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.